0: This is Sound Heights Records Podcast, Session 30, and the song lyric of the day is by Sam Cooke. I was born by the river in a little tent, oh, and just like the river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change is gonna come, oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die, cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh yes it will. Then I go to my brother and I say, brother, help me please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. There have been times that I thought I couldn't last for long, but now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh yes it will. Welcome to the Sound Heights Heights, Records Podcast. Harmonizing life and music, growing as an artist, improving as a person, gaining insight and inspiration conversations with world-class musicians. Welcome to Sound Heights. This is Yisrael Aryeh. So Welcome back, it's been a bit of a hiatus Took some time to figure th- some things out And emerge renewed as Out of Cocoon <laughs> So so our 30th episode is quite a milestone It feels like one at least We've had so many amazing conversations and interviews Each uh, episode I really believe contribute something, it's worth going back and checking them out. Even though they've been done over the last couple of years, I don't think they're particularly bound to time. I think they have insights and things that we, we've been discussing and, and some of these topics that we've been dealing with are kind of universal and applicable. I mean, to the, this isn't a, a current event show, but in many ways our music is the current event you know, that, and that kind of transcends everything else that's going on. So we look forward to doing more interviews. I mean, I kind of maxed out the personal connections of individuals that I was, I've was, i been really inspired by and really wanted to talk to. And in the future, there's plenty of people I'd love to talk to. But it seems like that those interviews uh, will be coming out of, God willing, the stuff that we're working on now, the ideas that we're developing. So we've been kind of gestating and clarifying and developing that, these ideas over the years. And a lot of these themes we've brought up in, in the podcast, now we're kind of getting a little bit of more clarity, especially in terms of getting people together locally and utilizing kind of the global online community as well, but really focused on place, on where we are. So Sound Heights started in Crown Heights and continues to be in Crown Heights about three years ago and for the last two years we've been in the the current studio space 847 east new york avenue the overall mission is really to explore the unique intersection of torah and artistic creation for the well-being of individuals and the community so the gatherings we've started are a big part of that so the announcements we have two regular gatherings and we'll be having more special events. But first of all, we have a Thursday night meetup. It's, it's a, a kind of an open jam preceded by a half an hour Hasidic music class. And I'll explain a little bit what, about what that is. And that's the subject of today's podcast session. So we started our first one this past Thursday We've been doing informal things like that, but this is kind of really the first time that we've, we've really laid it out in a more explicit way. So that's Thursday, the class, half an hour class, and the open jam. Sunday night, and that's at 8.30, and the class um, is being live streamed as well. And hopefully in the future, uh, that some of the jam will be shared as well. But So on Sunday night at 8.30 is a songwriting composing group. So really the way I'm kind of looking at it is this exploration of music and community through implementing these really deep and many very ancient ideas that are found in the Torah. Many of them may be intuitive to the modern kind of sensitive open musician who realizes that they're kind of a channel For music and performing is really kind of about getting out of the way, but also about getting one's life structure in place in such a way, the relationships and one's own personal characteristics and personal struggles being addressed to the to the degree that one can have a free mind and heart to really be a channel for that music. The Torah is this incredible wisdom, especially in its practical application. It's been a kind of a theme in Kranheit circles to take these very kind of lofty, sometimes very uh, spiritual, mystical ideas, but really the litmus test of their power is to utilize them for practical application in various areas of life. And improving oneself improving again one's relationships the community etc but so our particular interest is applying them to musical creation musical performance musical composition the practice and of everything else that kind of frames that the the getting our life in order is really about being free to receive the, the higher music, so to speak. So I've been kind of studying these ideas and then collecting them over the years and a little bit here and a little bit there. And recently, so this, this half an hour class we're doing on Thursdays at 8.30 is an attempt to kind of collate these ideas and organize them, hopefully to be able to put them into essay form, book form, Um, I'm creating a a list of sources and there's a lot of them, a lot of sources going back to the the written Torah and all the commentaries up through the oral Torah, the, the Talmud, and through Kabbalah and Hasidic thought. And there's really, really a rich treasure trove of information, of insights that can be really practically applied. So I'm kind of envisioning it as a communal effort in a way. So I'm presenting these classes, but obviously by no means am I the the greatest expert on, on Torah or on music, frankly. But I do have, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about these things and, and I invite people to contribute. So one of the ways that indiv- people can contribute in terms of the ideas is to st- to share sources, so we're going to set up something on the website. So first of all, making some changes on the website um, that you can go and find the podcast episodes, but also the Hasidizen Music class series, which are also part of the podcast, but have their will have their own section where I am attaching PDF uh, compendiums of sources. And most of these at this point are in the original, are in Hebrew or Aramaic. But as things get translated, I'm working on translations, collecting translations. They can be translated and also written material that can address some of the application of the ideas. So that'll all be on, on soundheightsrecords.com. And over there also, you can find a link to donate and support us financially. This is in addition to our Patreon page. Which you can still sign up for. And there's all those unreleased tracks that you can get by becoming a patron over there. We're pleased to announce that we have received 501c3 nonprofit tax exempt status. So you can make donations, deduct them from your taxes. And this is kind of a really unique model of a nonprofit organization because, on one hand, it has. The arts dimension, we're, we're promoting arts in the community, we're promoting arts worldwide, supporting musicians, supporting their process with the encouraging ideas that we're, we're coming up with. Also, we have a our studio here is a place that if you're local, you can come by and be a part of some of the stuff we're doing here, but also, of course, online, as well as a religious organization, not in the sense that you have to be a member of any religion to participate or to learn from what we're doing here but rather the unique use and exploration and spreading of these torah ideas is uh, something very valuable even from the religious perspective from the perspective of expanding and deepening our collective torah knowledge and application so that's all really exciting ultimately through your support, we can keep this project going. Rent in Brooklyn is not cheap. And also to be able to really increase in the output, both music, support for musicians, music workshops, classes, the collecting of the tourist sources, publishing, whatever we end up doing. It's a, it's a big project. We're very excited about it, and we welcome and appreciate your support. So now I'd like to introduce the first of the in music classes called in music number no. 1 and the theme is uh, I've introduced kind of an introduction so there's a lot of different <laughs> details in there jump around a lot um but essentially we're we're talking about King David and King David's various means of playing music in terms of his inspiration. So either he started playing music, um, in, and, uh, and then became inspired, or he became inspired and then started playing music. And there's a lot to look into that in terms of the, the kind of one of the bottom line lessons in terms of our approach is to realize that not always even for the greatest of musicians, and King David is, is held up in the in the Torah, as one of the great musicians of all time, Um, In fact, people recite his songs probably more than anybody. Uh, In fact, that was something that he actually prayed for, that his songs should be um, never forgotten and and to be used by Jewish people throughout time. As we know, the reciting of of Psalms of Tehillim is a, a major part of Jewish life. So even someone like that, had ups and downs in his inspiration. He had different ways of approaching. Sometimes he was inspired and music would come out, and sometimes he wasn't, but he would put in the work. And so that that there's a certain lesson in that in terms of those who just kind of wait around for inspiration to strike, that there's a, an actual effort that one can put in to invite that inspiration as well in those times that it's not naturally coming down. But there's a lot of other things I talk about. I'm not going to repeat the whole class right here, but I'll introduce... Um, here we go. citizen music number one, and we'll catch up with some final words after... Uh, Okay, so we're starting this new series of uh, citizen music here at Sound Heights. You know, anyone coming in, and we're going to afterward, we're going to have a a jam session. This should hopefully be a Thursday night tradition. But just the idea is to get some of these ideas that um, we've been ruminating about. There's so many amazing sources in chasidism that really... are begging to be collated and, and shared, especially with individuals, musicians, people interested in music, and kind of the purpose of this, this series as a continuation of the podcast and going deeper into these ideas is to kind of gather these ideas and, and share them and organize them a little bit. So there's a lot of ideas that kind of all speak around the same point, and the practical application is essentially to become better musicians, to get our life in order, become better people, and ultimately to be redeemed as individuals and, and globally. And music has the, the, primary, the primary aspect of what it takes to reveal the gu'ula. It's almost like the, the final tool and the final reward. It's like the celebratory aspect. And there's so many dimensions to what Chassidit explains. What is music? What is prophecy? What is the musician's role? What is the role of music for everyone, including non-musicians? And uh, what is the ultimately the connection between Jews and each other? How does, how does this all work together? So there's so many topics to talk about. So yeah, <laughs> I'll have uh, in the future some printouts and uh, some PDFs I'm, I'll put online. It's all getting organized, so it's, bear with us as we get this, this thing organized. So this, so I have different sources I'm bringing from. Um, and so I'll, I'm mostly gonna, gonna share outside and then, but I'll bring some sources and some, uh, some PDFs later. So, so first of all, the, the primary source of chasidis I hope to have it, I hope <laughs> my printer didn't spit it out, so I'll have to take it outside, but I can, we'll share it. It's, it's the primary source in chasidis for music in in my opinion, but it's it's uh, I think it's it's pretty obvious in many ways, is from the Rebbe's Shira Shiram. So Bishnir Zaman of the Adi wrote this incredible he, he produced this incredible work called uh, Torah or Lakute Torah. It was published many years uh, years after his passing. But he uh in, so in the Torah, in Shira Rashirim so Shir Shirim, Song of Songs. So right away, anything we get connected to Song of Songs already is a clue. It's it's we're talking about. We're in the realm of talking about music in Torah. So Shir Shirim. There's many sources on on Shir Shirim. And when you get into the, the there's Shir Shirim itself is very mystical. It talks about it's like this romantic um, Hebrew poem, and it's interpreted in in many different ways as a relationship between God and the Jewish people. But on the surface meaning, it's it's a romantic. It's a love song. It's it's this very rich, extremely deep, mystical love song, and so when we we dive into Shir Shirim, uh, we are get we're already getting into the realms of of what music, what Torah has to teach us about music, like right off the bat, because the whole thing is under the heading of Shir Shirim, and not just any song, but Song of Songs. So the Zohar says that the Shir Shirim means the song that includes all songs, and when somebody it merits to connect to this song. Then they merit to receive Torah. That's it's that which includes Torah, all wisdom, all gevura, all all koyach, all, all strength and ability. All that it, all that was and all that will be is all included in that song. And it says this would King Solomon, the author of Song of Songs, he would he merited to uh, to experience to to grasp to to share with us this song. So King Solomon is one of the main sources of um, what the nature of song is and, and then explanations on Shir Shirim on his other works as well. Um, there's a lot to be said in terms of his wisdom wasn't, wasn't, was a wisdom that was very, very intimately connected with, with song and with music. And of course David and Melech, his father, is known as, as you know, Anim Zmiris Yisrael, he was the sweet singer of Yisrael. And he had incredible... Um, he, he, had a, he was the progenitor of Shlomo, who was known for his wisdom. And, the, and Shlomo's wisdom, as, as we learned from the Zohar, is connected to, to music. And David's power was also connected to music. His ascendance to the throne was very much connected with music. The, his role of um, his first introduction, or one of his first introductions to, to King Shal, where he, where he succeeded was as a musician because um, King Shaul had a Ruach Ra, was like depressed. So it's very interesting that the whole, the, the role of music, according to Hasidus, the role of music is to bring Simcha to celebrate, to, to praise and, and to elevate. But it's also to remove negative spirit. So, and, and Chassidus really goes into depth, and there's a lot to explore about this, about the different dimensions of music, and how a musician can actually mix together the different shades in order for, de- depending on the purpose. So, it becomes clear just through experience, but it's this is um, corroborated by Chassidus that music that is addressing, let's say, someone who's depressed, is it tends to be a darker music because there's music of, of chedva, there's music of, of, of joy, there's music of marirus, of bitterness. There's dark, shades of dark and light. So the, the darker, and you can mix them, there's like four, basically, there's four levels of song, according to the, the Alter is explained in, in length by the, by the Mittler Rebbe that there's four levels of song, and one of the, and there's many different, he goes into many different descriptions of what these four levels are. But one of the most practical this uh, descriptions of it is that they're essentially different ways of mixing the sweetness and the bitterness, the dark and the light, and that you create. So there's pure sweet, let's say, there's pure bitter, right? And then there's the mixture of the two, right? And there's two different ways of mixing it. There's one where it, externally the song is sweet, but internally it's bitter, and the other way it's in
1: mm.
0: internal, it's externally bitter but internally sweet. And so the, I mean, it's very. That's like you can almost look at an obvious musical example. Um, There are songs in major keys that are very, that are very sad, (laughs) that are very bittersweet, right? And there are songs in minor keys that are very happy, right? There's a, you know, there's. So you can really explore those colors. I mean, if you look at, for example, a major seven chord. Right, so just without getting into music theory, but obviously here people know that. So you have a major seven chord has like the, the major but the difference between a major and minor is three notes and then a, th- a flatted third, right? A, sharp, uh, a lower third. So a major seven, if you look at that kind of chord, the lower three notes are a major chord, and then the upper three notes are a minor chord, right? So, for example, if you look at a piano and you have a C, a, an E, and a G, it's a major chord, right? But the minor chord on top of that is E, G, and B, right? So you basically have a major and minor chord together. So a major seven chord, that, where that chord is a mixture of of minor and major, and it, it has the bitter and the sweet dimension to it at the same time. So, um, and so when you go into the the, the so so the, so the, the, the maimorim that describes... There's many different places in chasid. There's a number of different places in chasidis which are like primary sources of music um, from a Torah perspective in the mystical dimension. And they're like... You know, I've spent years thinking about these these maimorim and thinking of how they fit together, and they and it, it work very well together. But if, if you have... They deal with different topics. So one of the... The idea of the four levels of song is from... Um, my, from a series of, of discourses of Maimorim based on the pasuk, the first introduction of instrumental music in the Torah, which is you know, a Selad Ada es Yaval, right? So that the, a woman named Ada gave birth to a, a, um, a, man, a man named Yaval, and he had a brother, right? Achiv, right? His brother was named Yuval, he was the avikulta of his kin he was the one who. Um, originated in musical instruments. Right? so the Chassidus on that, on that pasuk describes in great depth the nature of what music is, um, and the level, the four levels of song, and the idea of, of integrating the four dimensions of reality through music, right? So that that goes on, there's a, the Midler Rebbe has this incredibly long and, and thorough investigation of that. Um, and there's certain, po- there's very important points in that which relate to again, what I consider the, the primary source of chassidic music, which is from Shir Shirim, which is based on the pasuk Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, um, which is uh, describes it's, it, it starts the Mimer starts the pasuk Shir Hashirim, Asher Lushlomo, right, Song of Songs, which was from King Solomon, and and then it, and then it, it continues. It says Lahavin Inyan Kabbalas Panei to understand the concept of receiving the countenance of the Shekhinah. So this idea of receiving the counsel of the Shekhinah, so for, so person, a regular Torah scholar, a student of Chasidus, right? They, I mean, in my experience, they counter a concept like this, and and the mimer goes on to talk about essentially davening, right? What, what, and so anybody whose prayer, who's praying or davening, could experience the Shekhinah. But when you when you look at the the general context of what the Rebbe is talking about. It's based it on Shir Hashirim, it's Song of Songs. It's obviously talking about it's talking about music. Then the the content of the the reason why the davening is so powerful is because of the musical experience. And so, to rec- so the idea of receiving the Shekhinah, it's it's uh, it's a very power. It, it's connected with the idea of prophecy. And ultimately, a musician who's following the path of, of what it means to be. Um, Using their music in the, in service of a service of a greater purpose is is interested in in that in that idea of Kabbalah's Pnei of, of revealing the godly presence in the world through their music, and it, and it takes a certain sort of um, essentially getting out of the way, right? So the connection between the the main. Um, point of the of the Nate one and the other the based on the the, the introduction mm. of musical instruments of what the nature of music is is that music is essentially something that is humbling and transformative. Music has the power; it's the only thing in this world, essentially, with the power to transform from one status into another, to nullify a previous status, and to turn into a a new status to, to be able to reach a higher a higher dimension and, and and that involves a certain humility, a, a complete humility. so if, for example, if somebody has has a certain understanding about life and they you know but generally when we learn new things, we build on that and so you can never fully leave what you understood before under normal circumstances. So you're just you're just tacking on new and maybe maybe more mature ways of understanding things. Maybe not not maybe not some mature <laughs> maybe let worse you know. As the, the um, Rebbe points out, that this this applies to you know things that get in the way of spiritual sensitivity in general. That if a person is involved in in uh, over identification with pleasures of this world, they lose their spiritual sensitivity. And so even if a person has changed their habits, they still have a memory of that. You know the, the, of, of those the, of those pleasures, and it still gets in the way and and the antidote to that essentially is what music is and what music represents, which is the transformation from one status to another to be able to to clean the slate, so to speak, to completely um, disintegrate what one was before, and it's scary it's it's you know musicians who who operate on a you know high level of musical experience describe. You know, it's it's an ego shattering experience in the in the best way. You know, it can also be dangerous too. Obviously, someone does not because once you shatter your ego, if you don't have a, something else to <laughs> to carry you, you, one can end up kind of lost and maybe a little bit in, insane. So that's again, I, that's why I think some of the the warnings against the, the mystical teachings of the Torah has been throughout the generations, as well as the and the de-emphasis of music in the Torah world because it's it is a it represents a certain kind of danger, but at the same time, with the, the contribution of Hasidis it represents a certain um, opportunity. And the Rebbe is clearly not presenting us primarily with the danger, but primarily with the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to transform. And so he talks. So I was, I was in, in uh, the introduction. There's a great work, the Sefer Sefer Nagunim, which in, includes many different melodies from traditional uh, Chabad melodies, and there's an incredible introduction. So over there it talks about the nature of music as bringing simcha and, and music as removing um, bad spirit, rem- removing depression. So interestingly, it brings the, the, simcha is connected with prophecy, right? The, the whole idea of the, what, what's the, the purpose of, music and simcha is not just about being like, happy and, and you know, smiling a lot and, and you know, dancing around. But it's it's the goal of music in terms of simcha, is to have simchat in order to be able to receive prophecy, and that's because one in order to receive prophecy one has to be with simcha. So the and and the mitzvah of music is comes with the, the kavana to reveal Hashem in the world, but it requires simcha. So the the Palthic, the famous pasuk when when Elisha was. Uh, it says, Hamanagin, right? There's a passage that says that, that um, he brought forth, he called for a musician, right? And Kanagin and, and the musician started to play, and then the music, and then he was able to prophesy. And the, the commentaries say that Elisha, it, it needed to be besimcha, He needed the, the, the only, it's part of the, in, in the Gemara, in Pesachim, in, um, in Kufid Zayn Amr it says that that uh, this whole list of qualities that a person needs, it, it says that a person needs to receive um, prophecy, right? It, it says it, it doesn't come, like the, the Holy Spirit doesn't come when a person is, is sad, when a person is, is feeling, um, is lazy, right? When a person is, uh, it says when a person is laugh, laughing, which means that they're, they're essentially distracted with laughter, the commentaries explain. Because um, that, that kind of laughter is not simcha. When a person is us rosh, when a person is, is like not taking things seriously, <coughs> when a person is um, in devar betelam, when a person is speaking, but only through simcha of mitzvah, right? So, the, so the simcha, and then, and then and then it brings the pasuk, right? Kanaganum, kanagan, bring me bring me a, a musician, and then they play, and then the spirit of Hashem will, will rest upon upon the prophet. So the the. Um, in that, the commentaries also explain that Alicia. The reason why he needed a musician was because he was upset. <laughs> That's what they said. He was angry. He he had had gotten angry at Yoram, the, the 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 wicked evil king who had followed in the w- ways of Yeravam ben Nevat, and so he had gotten angry at him. So he was like blocked from prophecy. So he needed that simcha. Right. So the 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 way to so the altar explains in the Maimur Shir Shirin, that essentially. The goal to the Kabbalah the Shekhinah, to be able to receive the Shekhinah, is to, the, the, it requires certain. It, it, in, so there's two ways of, of approaching the experience of revealing the the what's the, considered what he describes as the song from above. So essentially, we get out of the way. The Shekhinah is this, he describes as the song, as this great song, and all we have to do is get out of the way. You have this animal soul that can get in the way, but the animal soul is also our audience. So we push him out of the way and he, he listens, and he through that he becomes refined by the song that's coming down. And so ultimately, the more we appreciate about that experience, it's, it's mostly about the preparation. But there's two ways it can happen. It can happen spontaneously when a person is spontaneously inspired, and he doesn't need any particular preparation, and, he, and that person just... And sometimes we feel that, sometimes we're just in, in a mood, we're in a mood to play, we're in a mood to, to you know we in you know the, to listen to music to really be moved by music, and sometimes we're not. So it's interesting that the, the, the mimer talks about these two states and, and what to do about them. And what's what's amazing is that Gemara, that same Gemara Psachim, that talks about the, the nature of Simcha being a preparation for prophecy connected with music, it also talks about it also mentions the two experiences David Melech had with experiencing. Um, the flow of music, and we find that from Tehillim, right? It says LeDavid Mizmor. Some of the, the Kabbalat Tehillim says so, LeDavid Mizmor. To David is the song, and in other chapters say Mizmor LeDavid, right? Song to David, hmm. right? So the Gemara explains, right? LeDavid Mizmor. It says first was that he started to uh, was that the, the Shechina dw- rested upon him, right, and then he played. Right? David like this is the Shekhinah descended Mizmor right so um, and then so so, and then it, the, the verse is the other way so it says Mizmor David so first he he started he started singing and then the Shekhinah came on him and then the came right so that so the the, so the Gemara is describing this experience that he had that he that he first that sometimes he became inspired first and then he played right? And then the other, and that's LeDavid Mizmor. And other times he was in, uh, played, he wasn't inspired, but he started to work at it, he played, and then the Shechina was revealed right to him, and then, right? So that's the Gemara. So the interesting, so, the, in, so in the Zohar, it says the exact opposite thing, it seems, right? So it's the Zohar, it's Barshish Noach, that's Samech Zayin Amad Aleph. So it says that um, it says Ladavid David is that first he played, and then Ruach Akutsha, then the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Exact opposite, and then it says Mizmor the l- 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 David. It says first that he got the the the, the Ruach ha- the Holy Spirit, Holy Inspiration, and then he played. Exact opposite, right? So there's so in the, so I, I was introduced to this contradiction that this in in this introduction to Sefer in and Um so, then in the footnote, so so there's there's different opinions about who may have written it. Nobody signed it, but I'm based on on this and this uh, thing I printed out. It's cl- It's it's more clear to me that the, that I think the Rebbe was involved in preparing it, because the footnote refers to this contradiction, and refers to a possible resolution, which I later found and referred refer, referred to in the Rebbe's sicha. But in in the footnote there, it refers to a resolution by a, a rabbi named. Menachem Azariah Mifano. he was from Ifano, Italy. He was as a kabbalist. He was apparently a student of Mo, of the Ramak, or Moshe Cordovero. He was involved in publishing. Like he was, he, was, he passed away in in uh, Mantua, Italy. And he was apparently he was involved in publishing a lot of kabbalistics for him. He not just kabbalah. Kabbal, he published the um, Rabbi Yosef Karo's Kesef Mishnah, his commentary on Rambam. He was he also um, published part Ramon, Ramonim from the Ramak. Like he was. But he had his own sefer, which he had. Now he written a number of, of works. But one of which he's, he he resolves contradictions between um, Gemara, between the Chazal, the, the Nigla, or, or you know, Gemara and, and Mishnah. I mean, in Midrash and Zohar, right in Kabbalah. So the, there's many, there's numerous contradictions, and he shows the path of resolution. So. So the Rebbe, then later I found just recently, just, a, you know, less than half an hour ago, I discovered that the Rebbe had a sicha on it as well. The same question, the same contradiction, um, which we'll get to, get to in a moment. But Rebbe Menachem um, Azari Mifano, he resolves it saying not, there's no, contra- no contradiction obviously. that It's talking about actually, a, and you look carefully at the wording, the the Gemara says, that your shechina descended upon him, and the um, the Zohar says Sharsulav Ruch uh, Kadisha, the, the, the Ruch HaKodesh. So then you, it gets into a question what's the difference between the Shekhinah and the Ruch HaKodesh. But essentially, he explains that when it says Ledavid Mizmor, so the Gemara says Ledavid Mizmor, right? The Shekhinah came first. First was him inspired, and then came the song Mizmor, right? So what Mefano um, says that Ledavid Mizmor being the Shekhinah came first means that he had a great degree of, of calm and preparation in, in thinking deeply into his purpose and why he's playing to reveal the shekhinah to, to, to create a, you know, to do a mitzvah of, of bringing down the godly presence. And then, he, then with that preparation, Mizmor he played. And Mizmor, he says, represents the, R- the Ruach HaKodesh. And when the playing was, was there were the, I mean, the playing didn't exist without the Ruch HaKodesh, basically, according to him. That if he's, if he, when he starts to play, he's playing with the HaKodesh. He has HaKodesh, t- he has this incredible preparation with this incredible um, Kavana, where he's really clear on what he's doing. So then, when it says Mizmur the da David, Mizmur, again, is Ruch HaKodesh. The Ruch HaKodesh, came spontaneously. And it said that he was actually, that's, that seems to be like a luckier situation, where he's, he's naturally inspired. And then, but then, according to him, then it's Mizmul HaDavid, then the Shekhinah comes after. Meaning, he has Reuch HaKodesh first, and, and he says that he's not, he didn't put in preparation. In fact, he felt a little guilty about it. <laughs> felt guilty about the fact that he didn't put in preparation because he wasn't properly prepared with the proper kavanas of the music. It just took him over and he got involved. So, and, and then, he was in that state, he was able to focus his, his uh, kavana, he was able to to um, get his goal clear that to bring down the shechina to, to reveal. Meaning, he was start to play, you know, play for the correct purpose, the purpose of the mitzvah. It just took him over, and it was, without any particular direction, right? So then, then, so that's So that he explains those those two things. So that, which which already says a lot, and there's a lot that could be explained about that. But then, then I found this source from the Rebbe. <laughs> who discusses the same contradiction, and obviously explains it a slightly different way but um, sweetens it and a little more clear, when he basically talks about the general difference between Gemara and, and Kabbalah, right, so and Gemara and the Zohar. So the Gemara is expressing things in external dimensions, more, more external dimensions, and, the, and the, the Kabbalah is expressing things in more inner dimensions. So when it when it says so, and he discusses the difference between shechina and ruach haKodesh. So he said, Rebbe says that the ruach haKodesh is, is higher than shechina. Shechina is is so to speak the, the bottom of the godly presence that dwells in the world. Kodesh means removed. So kodesh is actually a connection to the highest aspect of of Hashem. So, oh, but bottom line is is like, is like this. Ultimately, that ruach haKodesh practically is is very personal. A Rurah doesn't exist without a human being, it doesn't exist without a person. Shechina can dwell in a building, right? The base of Mikdash had the Shechina dwelling in it. Right, the the Mishkan in the desert had the Shechina. The Shechina is something that exists independent, so to speak, of an individual. Right, so ultimately, what does this mean for us, you know, as as musicians, as Jews, you know, just trying to prove ourselves and, and to ultimately bring joy and healing into our lives and into, and, and redemption into our lives and into the world is that ultimately that we have to appreciate that, 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 you know, there are naturally two states that we vacillate between. And in some ways we don't, even David Amalek didn't have control, <laughs> even though, you know, you think David Amalek would be this like super, super musician, you know, spiritual musician who'd always be prepared, who'd always, you know, who'd always be in the flow. And clearly, it wasn't the case. He had two different states. And so, what happens a lot, of, I think, with, with a person's musical, musical journey, um, that one kind of gets taken aback by... They're, they're not totally clear on the difference, meaning when... It kind of surprises them when a person gets inspired or when a person is not inspired. And for most for most people, when they're not inspired, right, that... The music just doesn't happen right? usually, right? It usually happens when, and then that's, and then there are, then there are those who will put in effort and preparation to to be ready for the next time it gets they get inspired. That's that's putting effort into the craft, et cetera. So ultimately, the 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 way that we can, um, you know, it's so it's clearly from some according to Menachem Vafano that the the state where where there's Preparation put in, meaning the state of lack of inspiration, is actually um, more cherished. David cherished it more than when he was inspired. When he was inspired, he actually felt a little guilty about it. He said, he said he had to get to atone, <laughs> atone, for the fact that he would not put so much work into into the um, the experience, into the into the music, into the preparation. So normally, so the, so the actual the opposite that we cherish this idea that that the craft itself is is creating a, a vessel. And that we have time to really think about what what our goal our goal is, and how, and then there and then there are times when it, things happen spontaneously. That obviously, if a person has been has been working through lack of inspiration, that they'll be much more prepared for for inspiration. So you know, it says that by Simcha Spaces Shuaveva, there mentions that they, they drew Racha Kodesh from from Simcha Spaces Shuaveva. So that's that's this great Simcha of mitzvah. So just a little that was hopefully. Um, some, you know, there's a lot of ideas flying around. But right? ultimately, that, the, that we should, you know, play to, and get out of the way. And, and one of the, the most important points I want to bring out that the Alter Rebbe brings right at the beginning of, of his maamar is one of the most important things to get out of the way in order to let the shkina flow is is uh, having negative opinions of other Jews, um, no matter who they are. Right? And this could also be extended negative opinions of, of, of people in general, meaning holding grudges. Right? It says that, that every single individual is included within you. So if a person is, is, has and holds a negative opinion of someone, even on, on a, some superficial thing, they're essentially cutting themselves off from a piece of themselves. And the Shekhinah is our collective self revealed within us. So the more we can cultivate that attitude, that attitude towards others, Right, the more that we can, um, be a vessel for that music, and so it's just the the uh, you know, was known for his uh, his obviously Israel, and he was known for his his love of, of of his fellow, and also of his humility, and also of his great poverty. So he was a great, but he was a great a holy person, and he was uh, he was very poor, and he couldn't he didn't have very much to eat, right? And he said that you know, don't feel sorry for me, you know, I'm I depend on on Hashem, I depend on God, and God takes care of me, I have nothing to worry about, you know. I feel bad for my wife and kids, because they have to depend on me, and I'm not, I'm not a very good provider. <laughs> but, he, but one day somebody gave him 50 rubles, which is like enough to feed his family for a long time. And uh, so he was, whatever, he was very careless with the money. They said, put the money, be careful with it. Someone, you know, we're in a, a public place here, people coming in and out and, and in this uh, synagogue, so somebody might take it. He said, okay, so he put it in the chumash, next to the pasuk that said, Lo signov, don't steal. Right? So he said, now now it's going to be safe because somebody will open it up. If they're thinking of stealing it, they'll say, don't steal, they won't steal it. So he went out and he came back and half the money was gone. <laughs> they took 25 rubles, they left, and they had put it, it had put next to the pasuk, you know, love, <laughs> love your fellows yourself. So he said, ah, oh. listen, look at me, I was so worried about people stealing. I had to, <laughs> this person is, is, is thinking about other Jews and they're sharing it with me. Right? They're, they're so... Um so we, now we can we can jam a little bit here. Appreciate so hopefully this is the beginning. I hope to to continue these and develop develop these ideas and interested in feedback, etc. So yeah. can I ask a question on this? Yeah,
1: yeah. How, how I was with, I always but how come we don't know what any of the songs or these ancient songs actually sounded like? Like you would think that we might have some sort of recollection of Wow, this song was... This, this tune is from Davenport.
0: Right, like, like, we do, like we do with the Torah itself. We have a great memory of the written Torah and the traditions are kept so carefully, right? All right. All right. But the music itself is not... Right, i thought about that. So it's, obvious, a, obvious it's a good answer. question. What, what's and the... And it ties in so deeply
1: to what you always talk about. What's that? That we're now made by some shiach. So we think... So we think. So since basically the times of al yeah even though there are very much, like, lingering, um, LINGERING, uh, 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 like, outdated, old-school concepts, Jewish concepts of music right now, but basically, we don't even recognize how much the Baal really completely innovated the perception of music in Judaism. And right after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, basically the, 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 the cry was, right. and which basically in Yerushalayim to this day, they don't play music. You know, like, at the they only hit drums. So basically the Jews were like, look, we're not interested in music, we're mourning. They
0: squashed the music, yeah. yeah.
1: So that's why there's not really much, they were not, no one was really preserving it. It wasn't part of the actual, like, believe in God thing.
0: Right. Yeah. There, there was a purposeful. This, the introduction of sayngunim talks about the purposeful effort from the top down, from Rabbanim in the times before the Baal Shem Tov, to diminish in joy and to diminish in music, and but, so that's so. Yeah. So that that explains a little bit historically why. But I think I think in a deeper way, and and, and, and this is part of what there, there's a a lot of people that think about Jewish music, especially in this community in Crown Heights. They think about nigunim, and there are certain musical gatherings where they're like very strict about only playing the gunam, which more power to them that, you know, It's wonderful at that time. So what my the emphasis here and, the, and the, what I'm sensing is, is kind of um, also more geared in a broader sense is the idea of individual creativity meaning Shir shem Shir Chadash, a new song. So David Ameloff more than once emphasized the idea of a new song. Right? So new song is, is is so bound up with an individual's experience and personality and tastes and, and, and talent. Every Nisham is so unique. So so the, the goal is that a person can tap into their deepest um, voice. And it's going to be unique. It's going to be different than what everyone else does, especially when a group of musicians gets together. It'll be the combination of their voices and certainly, you know, on and on. So I think that, you know, we don't have we're given the freedom what we don't have from the past we're given the freedom to create in the present okay thank you hopefully it's the first of many um there's some you know just amazing ideas that we're gathering from the Torah and the inspiration to the desire the passion to want to play music and the passion to connect to the essence of who we are as human beings through the Torah and through our connections with each other so it's uh hope (laughs) it's uh as somewhat as exciting to you all as, as it is to me and uh you know, the people who've been involved over here. Uh, so, by the way, the <laughs> interesting story. that So the music that, had, that I've been using kind of underlying the episode is a song uh, by a New Orleans drummer named Smokey Johnson. He played with Fats Domino, a lot of other greats. And the song, It Ain't My Fault, that's what it's called, It Ain't My Fault. And so I was uh, once checking out Dr. John, I think it was in Seattle, and the great, late, great um, L- Herman Ernest, uh, another great New Orleans drummer, um, they had played the song, It Ain't My Fault. And, uh, you know, oh, it ain't my fault. And we, we heard the instrumental version, but that's all the words, <laughs> it ain't my fault. So I hadn't really thought about what those words meant, but a bunch of us came up to Herman Ernest after the show and was like, that was amazing. because yeah, his drumming is incredible. It's just such powerful amazing uplifting grooves and we're like that was incredible so he <laughs> in very humble way he you know he pointed to the sky he pointed upwards and he said it ain't my fault and now i kind of and i kind of understood a little bit of uh, a deeper meaning of that sta- that statement with the, the way the new orleans musicians actually mean by it is that the music is coming from a higher place it's not coming from me it ain't my fault so that, i think it ties in very well to one of the main themes of Clisidus and music is we've become a channel for the music, and it ain't my fault. <laughs> you could do a great job, you don't have to get you know puffed up about it or, or hung up on it if you're if things aren't working out. So, looking forward to exploring all this more with you all. Um, so, please be in touch if you have any questions, comments, want to send sources again. As we get the website set up, please bear with us, but we're definitely open to suggestions and feedback. Um, you can write at soundheightsrecords at gmail.com. Certainly go to soundheightsrecords.com. Over there you'll find a form you can donate uh, against tax-deductible, get your, your donations in before the end of the year, and uh, just help support this work in today's day and age. We can all use a lot more joy and inspiration in our lives. Music represents not just a distraction from difficult times, but the transformation from difficult times into celebration times. So (laughs) uh, thank you so much. And again, as we say always, with abundant singing and playing of music, we bring about the true and complete redemption. See you next time.